Greetings. Hi, this is Teresa Willard Hughes. Can you believe it? This is number 14th in our podcast series. This is the second one that we're doing on religion. And I just wanted to be able to thank everybody who's listened to us. And I also want to be able to say, for whatever reason, this infrastructure series that we're doing is getting a lot of attention. So I greatly appreciate you listening to us. And then this, when we finish with the one on religion, the next one we're going to end up doing is the institutions. So we're going to look at what's going on in the Boy Scouts, what happened with the U.S. gymnastic team, and then also what's happening on school campus. The series continues on, and again, I want to thank each of you for taking the time to listen. So let's talk about religion and why I think it's really important. You listened last week. You know, I gave you all my disclaimers. Um, nothing's really changed. I still have practiced my own faith. I also am a still believer in God, but I'm not the same person I'm believing the way that I did when I was a child. So all of us know about when we talk about childhood sexual violence, we almost automatically think about the Catholic Church. But I think that what we need to do is we need to be able to look at other religions. as well. So for this, this podcast, what we're going to look at is five. We're going to look at the Catholic Church. Look at Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to look at the Amish religion. We're looking at Jehovah Witness and we're looking at Mormons. I also am going to be able to talk at a later point the role religion played on border school for Native American and indigenous communities. So that's a whole separate one. But I'm also going to be able to put on our website resources for you to look at. And one of them that I'll call out right now is in 2019, the Houston Chronicle did a six-part series that was just unbelievable with a sexual abuse and rape, Southern Baptist Convention. Take a look at that, and I'll give you the resources for you to look. Five different Christian religions, they all share pretty much the same thing in common. And be able to talk about it, what can we do? So one of the things that we realized is the average age of the girls or 14. So if you go back and remember what we talked about in the previous podcast, we know that 3.3 million women between the ages of 18 and 44 in the United States, their sec- first sexual experience was that of rape or some form of sexual violence. The average age of that girl was 15. The average age of the male, the predator, was 27. When we're looking at childhood sexual violence within religion, We know that the predator is much older. So we'll talk about who he is in a few minutes. So when you're looking at it from that standpoint, we have to look at how young the girl is and how much older the the predator. But we also have, and within these communities, you have to view it from a standpoint. And this is like the perfect storm, the perfect mix of how just crap could go wrong. You have a predator who is, quote-unquote, is the voice of God. He's the HPIC. He could be the minister, deacon, priest, youth minister. Whatever his role, whoever that person is, they represent the voice of God. They're God's servants on earth. So what he says goes. The majority of them have, there's no questioning them. They are the voice of God. And a lot of times in many of these religions, they don't trust what you call the outsiders. The Amish community, they call us the English. Each group has their own name, but they don't trust anybody outside. You have been raised in a religion, think about it, that does not trust anybody other than the members within that religion. You have a minister or whoever the HBIC is, the head penitentiary in charge, who has absolute authority, and his word is golden, and you're not allowed to question it. 
So when you think about it from that standpoint, that's really control. You also have in most of these is that the entire world's which this childhood being sexually violated, their entire existence is within this religion. Their family may have been generations within it. So how do you go against your family? Your entire community, your world is based on within that church, within that religion. You don't see outsiders. Side music, secular music, watch TV, do anything on the internet. Your world is controlled. Your evenings are controlled by the church. Everything that you do is in that community. How in the heck can you expect some young child to go outside of that? Because actually what you're doing is saying alter your entire world. And in some religions, they limit the educational opportunities so that even if you wanted to escape, it would be very difficult for you to do because you don't have the educational training. How do you manage in the outside world? So we have to look at it from that standpoint. So let me give you my take on the head predator in charge, who is a sexual predator within the religion. There are a lot of words that I could say for this. I'm, now this is me being politically correct. He's a jackass. He's a jerk. He's whatever you want to be able to call him. Because this is a guy who is able to embed himself within the religion. He's a sexual predator embeds himself in the religion, and he can quote a Bible code quicker than you and I could turn on a faucet. He has an absolute excuse, a predator who uses God. I don't think there's anything lower than The father, you could say he's a total asshole. This is a guy who preys on kids within a religion, and he uses God. He uses your faith. He uses everything that you're terrified of, the outside world, everything that you know. Imagine your entire world that you've grown up, that you're supposed to be a virgin, and one of these predators takes that away from The constant conflicts, mental and emotional conflict. The number of young boys who are sexually violated, and then they, they, the church may say, well, you're homosexual. You can't be a homosexual because it goes against your religion. Once again, the mind games that are played against these young people who are sexually violated. And there's not a resource for them to be able to really go to and get things that make change. Because more than likely, whatever religion you're talking about, instead of reporting it to the police, because our authorities, because again, you fear the outside world, there's an internal mechanism within that faith, and you report it to internally. These guys are not necessary. They're not trained to be able to handle sexual violence. They have no idea how maybe to be. But they may not want to move forward because it looks bad on them. It looks bad on their ward. It looks bad on their fellowship. It looks bad on whatever the community, the diocese or whatever. They are not going to go out and publicize it. So now you're left. And once you've reported it as a child, or even as a family member, now you risk. So let's talk about what you risk. So you could risk from the fact that you could be shunned. So in the Amish religion, you could be shunned for six weeks. The predator will be shunned for six weeks. You're equally as guilty as the predator. That, you know, regardless of the fact that you're a child, this is a grown-ass man, somehow you're just as guilty because somehow you should have known better. You don't know better because this is how you've been raised. The other part about it is that once it's found out, some of these religions have their own database of sexual predators within their faith. And what they do is they begin to move the predator from one clergy, one congregation to a next. The guy just keeps moving from one location to 
Oh, by the way, they don't tell the people, the new congregation, where he's going to. Guess what? Some of these guys are so damn slick and so damn good at being manipulated. They will announce they have sexually violated someone. Most of them cry. No doubt they get the quiver look. But I've asked God forgiveness. For whatever reason, the new congregation will accept should be forgiven. I don't understand it. Again, I'm not that religious, and I'm really not big on forgiveness. But what ends up happening is because he's bared his soul to the community. He has come forth and told his sin, or how he has sinned. He's asked for forgiveness. And the tenets of the church in most of these is all about three items. Forgive, forgiveness, and forget. And you're supposed to forget. So let's just talk about the fact that forgiveness and forgotten. So as long as you, the, the predator has asked to be forgiven, he confesses, not even, but he's convinced, even if he's convicted on a lesser charge, so he's not on the sexual predator list, or even if he has been, as long as he asks for forgiveness, somehow, somehow, we're supposed to forgive him for doing it because that's a part of God's work. That's a part of the Christianity is we're supposed to do forgiveness. I agree we're supposed to forgive something. But somewhere along the line, forgiving a sexual predator, not sharing with the next community that he's the sexual predator, allowing him to go out and pray against another community, ain't nothing right about that. Nothing is correct. In the Elvish community, let's use it for example. So the sexual predator and the person who's, who is preyed upon have to ask for forgiveness. Then they get shunned for six weeks, which means that, you know, they can't talk to other people within the faith. They can't share dinner with other people. But at the end of that six weeks, everybody's supposed to forget it. I don't go on that well. I just have to be honest. Yeah, now you haven't had a chance to eat dinner with me. Like, whoop, everything's okay. Hell, thinking no. But on the other hand, if you do not forgive that predator, if you do not have the ability to forgive and and to forget you, the person who's been violated, it's all of a sudden you are the problem. Again, it goes back to regardless of who you're talking about. We are supposed to shut the hell up, go on about our business, and not bring shame upon the faith, not bring shame upon the family. And family members will turn on you because the last thing they want to do is to have you embarrass them and have you bring shame upon them. What kind of parent are you that makes a kid that wouldn't forgive? What kind of horrible person are you that you're, you need to get your kid under control? Not that damn easy. It's really not that easy just to forgive. But the whole idea that even if you part of you, you still see that person. Imagine you still are going to work, church. Imagine within your community, you know this guy has preyed upon you and you still see them. Imagine the little smirk that he may have on his face when he knows that he has gotten away with it. So that's the other part that I find that is just really amazing. The other one is that we talked about if you're a boy. If you're a boy and you've been sexually violated in many of these churches, homophobia is just rampant, absolutely the world's worst sin. So imagine if you've been sexually violated if you're a young boy. If you report it and the predator says, well, he wanted it. Or somewhere along the line, you are now labeled as a homo as you're homosexual. There could be nothing worse than some of these religions than you being homo. Hell, it's worse being homo being a homosexual 
than it is being a sexual predator because they got a Bible court for it. You're not supposed to, men are not supposed to lay with men. So don't worry about it. You will be banned. You will be kicked out. You and everybody in your family will be shamed because you have now are homosexual. Every way that you look at this, every way in which you turn about this, somehow it's our so let's talk about those children who are sacrificed, the sacrificial children. It is, as we talked about earlier, it's almost impossible for you to recover. Why? Because everything that you have known, everything that you have believed in, every tenet, every part of your faith is based on that religion. You have no outside friends. You're not allowed to listen to the radio or TV or internet. You have no access to your world. Your entire community and world, your family, your friends, is all based around this community, around this faith. So you don't know what the hell to do. You're caught. You know that what happened to you is wrong, but you don't know how to handle it because you have no outside experience. You've been raised to fear the outside world. So you really can't talk. But what happens to you by being sexually violated, it doesn't matter what religion. That fear, that shame is still there within you. But you really can't talk about it. You're supposed to get up, go on after that six-week period, whatever the time period is, and you're supposed to keep going and acting like everything is okay. Somewhere along the line, you begin to lose it. You know, you lose what the, the worst part about being sexually violated within a religion is that the loss that you can encounter. The and the courage it must take if you look at saying going outside of this faith. Again, everyone that you know is within this religion. Your world is in it. That's how you fill your, your evenings. That's how you fill your day is by practicing this religion, by remaining humble, by being forgiving. All of these factors are playing into this religion. So how do you go out to the outside? You don't even know someone from the outside world. And you have been raised not to trust. So now what happens is you lose your faith. Imagine the fact that you've lost your faith. I did for 33 years. It was terrible. I needed someone greater than me, but I was so traumatized by wanting to believe and hoping that God, the Blessed Virgin, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, you name anybody that was holy and sacred. Hell, I was even looking for cloud formation to save my ass and get have my father stop raising. But they don't come to you. And something about within your own religion, and if you've done all the right things, why is this continued? It must be a lack of faith on your own part. You're constantly judging and putting yourself down. So now you have, again, you have the fears of going to the outside world. And so you're trapped. And what if somewhere along the line within these religions, you're supposed to have babies very young? So now you have lack of education. Your entire world is, is built around this faith. And now you got a couple of little babies. You have no education. You have no skills. Again, you are trapped. Now we have this thing called, we, I'm happy to talk about it, it's the Child's Victims Act, in which that it expands the time period in which that any of us who have been sexually violated, we can now report a crime. So it's a great thing if you're educated. It's a great thing if you have if you understand how to work the system. It's a great thing if you have a damn telephone 
is a great thing that if you can make it work. But the reality of this is, if you have been sexually violated at age 14, 10, 15 years later, you're 29 or 30, you have been raised in this religion, you have no outside resources, how in the hell are you going to find out about the statute's limitation? Again, sounds great, except if you're in a situation where you don't understand how it works, do you have to be able to hire an attorney? You may not have the funds. You don't know the dates. And each state operates a little different than the others. Some states will give you a year from the, you know, from when the statute comes, when the um, it is invoked. They give you a year. Some of them may give you two years. Some of them may give you up to three years. But during that time period, how do you know where you fit into this thing? You don't know because you're from the outside world. You're from a world that is closed in. So while this statute of limitation is, is great, but if you don't know how to work the system, which a lot of people, especially poor people, people who have been trapped in religious organizations that have kept you isolated, you don't know how to make it work. So that's not going to do us that much good. So here's my conclusion to this whole thing, or my thoughts on it. Whoever you are, you've been sexually violated. Let's find a community, and if you need to, you can use us, and you can talk to us. We can see what we can do for you. But know certain things. What happened to you is not your downfall. Do not allow anybody to say that you were at, you were an active participant. You were a child. And a child to me is any time that you're under the age of 18. And it may even be older than that when you have been locked in this isolated world and you don't know any better. Understand who your predator is. This is a guy who looks good on the surface. And any time that you think anybody's going to listen to you and say, Reverend so-and-so is a bad guy, they're not going to. Talk to us. Talk to somebody who's with you. And each one of these religions, by the way, if you're able to find your way to the internet, you would because you're listening to us, that they each have their own survivors organization, survivors organization. Get in contact with them first because they have gone through what you're going through and they are probably your best resource. Talk with them. There's organizations that within your faith that can make a difference to you and to be able to help you. But remember certain things, and I say this to any of us who have been sexually violated, the shame that we have has to be lifted. Our sh being shamed that we were sexually violated, we all share that. That's the commonality that we have. But the reality is we have nothing to be ashamed of. This predator sexually violated us. We did not go out and ask for it. We did not flaunt herself. And oh, by the way, here's the thing, because my grandparents and other people said, well, I was, quote, black folks call it being fast. Well, you know, you were, you were fast. I didn't even weigh 100 pounds, so let's not talk about me being too goddamn fast. Anything. And it, by the way, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if somehow along the way, in somebody's little mind, we caused it or they convinced us that we caused it. The reality is, this is a grown-ass man. He is somebody who is supposed to have a lot of authority, faith, supposed to be a representative of God. It is not your God dang 
fault. Do not take it. And shame is the most powerful crime, emotional crime against us. It cripples us and we have nothing. And I repeat the word, we have nothing to be ashamed of. What we do have to be positive about is that we are finding a way to get our own voices back. It could take years to be able to come to terms with what happened to us. It could take years to be able to find our own voice and our own truth. But there's ways in which that you could do it. Again, check out the organizations within you, whatever your religions are. There's numbers of survivors programs on there. Get a hold of them. Chat with them. Find a way in which that you can make a difference. How you can help save yourself. Before we end this, I want to be able to say one more thing to all of you who are listening. Never forget who you are. We, those of us who have been victimized, those family members who have watched in silence, need to recognize who the heck we are. We are some of the strongest, most powerful and victorious people out there. Why? Because we have withstood. We have dealt with the bullies, the mini dictators, the little demigods who think that whatever they're saying, whatever they do is right. And we have fought. Many of times we've lost a lot of battles. Trust me, I've lost so many battles. It's terrible. But the reality is that we stood up and we fought. Now we are together as a group of people. We can fight together. You're not alone anymore. There's, as I said, there are agencies, there's societies, there's all these programs that are online that you can reach out to. But know who you are. Know that you're strong. Know that you're powerful. Know that you're victorious. And when you fall on your ass, which guess what you're all going to do, and we'll fall many a time, remember that you can get up. And you, somehow, small child, person who's been damaged, who's been abused, who's been violated, who's been shamed, and who's been blamed, you are still here. That's a victory. So you take care of yourself. God bless you, and we'll chat again soon. Take care, babe. Bye-bye.